shows guys hi what's up to our sidekicks and henchmen out there in the geek nation i couldn't even give it straight face um what's up to our sidekicks and henchmen out there in the geek nation you're listening to go to talk go to talk i'm johnny destructo the thwip tribble yo what's up highlight your boy this is len aka the bat tribble uh with us this week is noel hey that's enough out of you, sir. Uh, so we're here to talk about, I don't know, random stuff that whatever pops into our heads. We've decided that our casual conversations are important enough to be recorded, so that's what we're doing. Uh, we have an email from the home dad abroad. The home dad abroad. So, uh, hiya, JD and Len, he says. Considering that I never write in with questions for the show, but rather excruciatingly blather back at the ether to express my distress over the factual inaccuracies, poorly thought opinions, and anything St. Saucy contributes simply on principle, I decided to be do kind as to answer your questions about me. People want to know. As a proper guest, I will remind you of the subject of said query. You were both wondering how long it takes me to pen my loquacious meanderings for electronic transfer to yourselves. More specifically, if I just stream of consciousness my missives or agonize over them, sucking at the twin teats of liquor and thesaurus. <laughs> Cute. I am sorry to destroy Len's image of the overbearing Yelp reviewer, but I whip these idiotically high-minded treatises out while walking the dog. It's true. Tapped out one-handed while being jerked and dragged uphill by an overzealous canine companion that should be the responsibility of the children who possess the love him most. Of course, I would be remiss if I didn't take full advantage of my mutt's presence by bouncing ideas off of him or seeking an elusive turn of phrase or precise word from his well-honed vocabulary. Sometimes he'll tell me how wrong I am about a topic, snag the phone in his slobbery maul full of intent to correct the record, then lay submissively at my feet, humbled by his lack of opposable digits. Bad dog, bad. However, don't feel too bad for him. There are times that he will win our contest of wills, perhaps when a jogger passes through a thicket of trees or a child waits alone for a bus. My dog will suggest we take a quick detour, reminding me to put on the gloves and pull the hat low. He can be most insistent. What? He says I should delete that last paragraph? But what does a dog know about narrative flow? He knows many things. The scent of fear, where the blood flows quickest, how to change spark plugs. But he is no writer, despite his insistence that I have used the pluperfect tense far too much for the immediacy of a rant. P-L-U-P-E-R... F-E-C-T. Pluperfect? I've never, I've literally never seen that word in my life. I've never used it in context. No one has. Yeah. Uh, the, through a window on my process, the home dad abroad, sent by wistful flatulence. <laughs> Woo! Thank you so much, home dad abroad, for writing in that email. 
is, are, is that what we're calling it? An it's email? an email. It's an email. Okay, it's an email. Um, thank you so much. Uh, do we have anything to respond to it? It's mostly about his dog. Yeah, who uh, he writes his emails with. Yeah. The fact that he writes his emails one-handed while walking the dog, I, I do have to say, I am impressed. There's a couple of things that I do one-handed, but it's not write emails. No. So it's, it is impressive. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for that insight into your life, home to dad. Um, I think you mentioned in there his dog changes spark plugs. Yeah. What's his, the rate of labor for his dog? Like, if an oil change, is labor cheaper mm-hmm. for your dog? Or I be I'm, bringing my I'm looking car for a guy. I'm dog. looking for a yeah. guy. Um, we could all use a let good... Us, let us know what yeah. kind of work your dog does. Thank you. We, di- we didn't hear anything from... From uh, Saint Saucy, Christopher Goodnight. From Christopher Saint Saucy, Goodnight. Well, I, I, isn't that because so your guys' last episode was about Aquaman? Yes. Yes. Um, he fell asleep during it, didn't he? Oh yeah, because he watched four movies that day. Yeah, it was like so he needs to see it again, and I believe our response was, "Take your time." Yeah, don't. So I guess that'll bring. All right. So what I want to get to a little bit later, just because we're in the middle of the holiday season. Literally tomorrow is Christmas Eve. It's the holiday season. It is. We are in the holiday season. Um, so whoop de do. I want to talk about some some just because I like talking about this stuff. I want to talk about maybe our favorite holiday movies. Holiday our movie. Holiday song. Okay. It'll be real quick. Well, I won't, we won't take up too much time with it, but just because I myself enjoy talking about these things, we're gonna do it, and uh, you can't stop me. But. We also saw, so you post, you've already posted, Leonard, I'm pointing to you on this <laughs> audio uh, medium, that uh, you posted the Aquaman review that we did in the car on the way home from seeing said film. Yes. 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 I have not posted it yet, mostly because I'm too busy printing t-shirts and doing stuff, but also, I also wanted to hear Noel. I wanted to hear what Noel has to say about it, so I thought when I post it on my show, my stream, I'm just going to edit it all together. And it'll just be an Aquaman extravaganza. Uh, so, Noel. Aquaman. Aquamanaganza? Yeah. You saw the film as well. And so, start us off. You heard, did you listen to our show? I did not. After, as soon as I saw you guys, I knew you guys were going to see it first. So, I stayed away from most of your opinions, but you let yours slip a little bit. Um, And after that, I was like, ah, shit. I'm I'm just going to, I'm not going to listen to anything. I'll go in cold as possible because I have a feeling I'm going to be slightly kinder. Or I, so like you guys were not dismissive. Uh, You weren't exactly hopeful based off of the the trailer trailers and stuff. I actually thought the trailers were stupid fun and I was really looking forward to the movie. So I was hoping that it would just be a difference of opinion. Sure. Yeah. Let me ask you this. When you hear other people talking about a film you haven't seen yet on Facebook, Twitter, what have you, like when you saw me and Len uh, have opinions about it, does that, whether you wanted to or not, does that affect how you go into a film? This is this is just like a quick little side question that I had. To, I wanted to ask. Personally, me? No. No, just because I, you know, I, um, I studied, <sighs> this sounds incredibly pretentious. <laughs> I studied film uh, <laughs> and writing. I know how stuff works for the most part yes. and how it's put together. So a lot of times when I know something is awful, I still can figure out how to like it if I 
for what it's worth. You know, like um, the technique of it. Well, not even just the technique of it. Sometimes you know you're going to see something stupid because that's how you feel or that's what you want to see. Mm -hmm. So I knew that it wasn't going to be like it, it wasn't the movie that's going to make me cry or really feel, yeah. but it might be like one of the later Fast and the Furious movies that is gotcha. just ridiculous and fun, and I can really, really appreciate that. So a lot of people will, will go in and be like, that was stupid. But maybe stupid's what I want yeah. when mm -hmm. I go see this. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so it doesn't actually usually cloud too much. Okay. Yeah, because um, Venom's a perfect example. Everyone said it was hot garbage. Yeah. And they're not wrong, but I actually enjoyed watching it, and it was kind of fun. And see, that's, you know, speaking from... For about myself that's the problem I have when people ask me about Aquaman and they said oh how do you because the reason I'm asking I'm sorry let me backtrack a little bit the reason I'm asking you Noel about whether or not this affects your vision or going into something about yeah. how you're going to experience a thing I had a couple of people a bunch of people who were like oh I was waiting to hear your review I wanted to see what you said about it to know whether or not I'm going to go see the movie and that makes me feel bad like I don't because everybody Lynn you and I were in there and everybody seemed to be responding to the film everyone was enjoying it yep um, had a good time everybody who was walking out that we talked to uh, I actually stopped talking to people because they were all saying oh it was fun I had a much better time than I thought I would have and then they would ask me my opinion and I felt like I was kind of shitting on their yeah. approval you know their appreciation right. of a thing so uh, I stopped saying things because I don't want to be the guy who brings everyone down like the stupid movie is so, that the DC low bar though at this point I had more fun that? than I thought I would have yeah that seems to be what we were getting Ugh. like they were that's, knew they were getting some garbage but they were like hmm this garbage was a little tasty this country should know that that, that shouldn't be like the status quo or acceptable yeah. like hey that didn't that punch didn't hurt it right. just kind of smarted so it yeah. was a better punch yeah like you still yeah. got punched exactly it, it it's true um, but still there's they, something they, in me that maybe not want to just in what y'all just said you know what everybody sounded like when we went to see Aquaman hmm. they sounded like a bunch of Randys because the when you talk trouble. to them they can understand they can see your point of view about you know missteps in the movie or where the story doesn't align right or, or this or that totally is all over the place. The mm -hmm. script was, yeah, whatever. But what did you want? Because that would be Randy's uh -huh. Randy's defense. Well, what did you want? Well, you know, you, then you don't know comic books. Yeah. This was just a dumb, fun uh, comic book movie. No. Because mm -hmm. when you are reading a comic book, you are still reading a book mm -hmm. that you hope in some way, like I've always said, in the rules that their universe has set up, you hope that it makes sense from the first page to the last page. And that's the same thing for these movies. Yeah, and you read it to feel something. Exactly. It, it's, it's all narrative fiction is to elicit emotion. Period. Right. So if it's just stupid, you can agree that it's just stupid. But if, everything that you go and see, you hope to have an emotional response to. Right. Yep. That's it. So if it's just surface level, no matter how shiny the surface is, it's nothing unless it elicits an emotional reaction that's genuine. Case in point, like you said, the Fast and the Fur Furious movies. Yeah. Dumb, stupid fun. But they get you on an emo they get me oh, on an emotional I'm, level. I am an unapologetic fan of like the last four Fast and right, Furious movies. Right. They're so stupid, they're wonderful. Exactly. And you actually start to cheer. So because it's like, they yes. know exact and they know exactly what the fuck they are. We yeah. are here to just just amaze. We are a thrill ride of a movie. This is the this is amusement park, the movie is is Fast and the Furious. That's not what Aquaman is supposed to be. I I wouldn't even go as far as supposed to. That's not what they were successfully able to do. Right. So, like, if it was going to be a full tongue-in-cheek, crazy, a balls-to-the-wall, like, roller coaster ride, 
I would have been all in as long as they could maintain that, and there was at least some sort of emotional catharsis throughout. This has moments of that, moments of not that, soap opera shit. It, it just it, it was it was a mishmash. So when they went just crazy, mm-hmm. it was a fun movie. Like it was a really really fun movie talking to Crack and Julie Andrews. Like this is cool. This is kind of funny. But then it's ruined by like a slow motion hair whip and a mm. guitar sting. I'm like, what the fucking now am I watching? It was just it was. It was a it was a hodgepodge, a mess. I w- if I was able to take out 20 minutes of movie and just made it a one... This is like final opinion sound. If I was able to take out all of the extra plots, make it only about Orm trying to amass an army and Arthur trying to get the trident, just those two parallel plots, it would have been a very slick, simple, fun movie. Uh-huh. Everything else with no chemistry throughout the actors was really hard to watch. I agree. Um, and of course, I, I should mention that this is spoilerific. We are going to be spoiling the movie oh, sorry. again. I mean, we already spoiled it. So yeah. uh, in the last podcast we did, we talked about it. Um, and I, don't, I think the thing that bothers me the most is the fact that they just, they, they used, you know how you, you go to the arcade and there's an arm crane that you use and you try to pick up one of those plushy toys and drop it? Mm-hmm. This movie had an arm crane. And it went all the way over to Ant-Man and the Wasp, and it jugged down and it plucked out the plot point of the mother being trapped in the quantum realm and having to fashion armor out of things that she's murdered, and she's been there for however many years by herself, and they just put that in this movie. Um, I, so I went and saw this with Sam. Uh, Sam, the wonderful Samantha, who had a lot of like also opinions, but she couldn't make it. And we are now like two hours into the movie when his mother shows up, when Nicole Kidman shows up. Who, for some reason, forgot to act. Wait, hang on. I was actually going to compliment her acting in this scene. Hang on. Oh, shit. Because she, in a very cheesy way, nailed her part, and it was slightly emotional, and it, it stung, it got me a little bit. But then I realized it was only because the last hour and a half was so cardboard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I was like, I was like well, yeah, and I turned to Sam. I was just like, oh, this movie's still stupid, but that's what a real actor's like. Oh. <laughs> like that's that because, you know, she meets her son for the first time or, you know, in 30 years. Right. Gives across this whole thing and gives a emotional pep talk, which was a callback from an earlier scene where he's just like shitty pep talk. Mm. I was like. Oh, okay, cool. Do it. Go get him, Arthur. But then I was like, oh, it's because the bar was so low for the last hour. And it was just... Like, why was Black Manta even in the movie? Why does 10 minutes in, uh, Aquaman lets a man die on purpose Mm -hmm. as a plot point? Mm -hmm. Oh, because he was hanging out with Superman. I was going to say, is that all the DC actors or all the DC characters now? They're all just like... He was raised by Pa Ken, who was like, maybe you should let people die. It was blatant, too. It wasn't like, oh, I didn't have a chance to save him. It was, um, maybe the ocean will give you mercy. Yeah. Fuck you. And then he left. Mm-hmm. That's, that's. But then for some reason, out of nowhere, he feels bad about it? Well, I can feel, I can see. See, here's the thing about that. I actually d- didn't mind that because him letting dude die. Because you got to remember, this was a pirate that he was right. letting die. A person that basically, as far as he knew, was going in there and ready to murk people. Yeah. And and he's the he's also a guy who had raised his son to be just like him. Yeah. 
So in his and Aquaman's mind, it's like, dude, yeah. this this is you get what you. You what guys you, are jerks. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the Aquaman at that time, I see. Like, yo, you know, saving your damn self. I'm out. I got who I came for. Mm-hmm. You know, you do what you got to yeah, do. Yeah, but but then what is what is the impetus for him to feel bad about that? What is the what is the character arc that he goes through that makes him go, I should help all the humans now? Well I should feel bad about letting the human die. Like why does he change his mind on that? Story wise, I understand being conflicted about conflicted about it later, especially if you are now wrapping your head around possibly taking on the mantle of a king. However, I agree with you that the movie doesn't really provide you a true art. Because to be totally honest, I don't think he's done anything in the in the entire movie or since we've ever met Jason Momoa as Aquaman that makes me think that he is a leader. Well, you know, we're talking about, and I, I hate to compare it to another Marvel, well, Sony movie, but, you know, we were complaining about Into the Spider-Verse, spoiler alert, Into the Spider-Verse, where Miles is not quite the Spider-Man he wants to be, he can't control his powers yet, but then his dad has a conversation with him through a door while he's tied up, and then all of a sudden, I'm the best Spider-Man that ever lived. Right. And we were kind of annoyed at that, that quick transition. But this, I wasn't. This doesn't happen in this movie. There is, there's not even a quick transition. There is no transition. Yeah. Well, he's always awesome. So, uh, oh, Ar- well, Arthur. Yeah, Arthur. Arthur is always awesome. Like he's, he's that capable. I have two mics in my face, and <laughs> I feel like this should always be like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he is. He's introduced to us as, uh, well, sans really any physical flaws. Mm-hmm. Even in the Justice League movies, he has no flaws. Mm-hmm. He is a braggart. They're all emotional flaws, right? Yeah. Um, which I get if 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 they wanted to set up this whole like arc of his where he was less merciful and then learns to be merciful, mm. cool. It was out of nowhere shoehorned in and felt really false when he says he's not gonna say like he just saved all those other people yeah. and he's blatantly going to let someone else die who wasn't going to die two seconds ago. Yeah. So I it's at best it's shitty screenwriting. At worst, it's an awful character arc that they chose to make. Yeah, It's like, it. well, we need him to go through a change, so we'll have him let a guy yeah. get murdered, and then we'll let him not want to murder people? I, you know what? I, I feel bad. I, I kind of jumped the gun. Is there a format to this conversation? Did you I was going to. Did you, yeah, I'm we sorry. We don't need to. It's fine. We already skipped all that stuff. Yeah, in, um, the, in the original conversation, what did you guys cover, so... Oh my God! Yeah, you so went plot, you went through. Did you go through likes also? We tried to find we likes, tried. right? What did we come up? So, yeah, give us your for, likes. For all intents and purposes, I didn't hate this movie. I was okay. Disappointed in it. I was hurt a little bit because I I was looking forward to it, but I didn't overtly hate it. There was some cool shit. There was some really cool stuff. Oh well, yes, I remember. I did like the trench. I oh, liked, the trench were cool. I like those guys were real cool. Those like. Um, underwater creatures. I the, thought those were really nicely done. Yeah. The CGI for that was really nicely done. Their dive to the deep in the trench oh, was so the good. only time in the entire two plus hour running time that Sam turned over to me and said, "That's really cool." Yeah, looks, I admit, looks that cool. was pretty dope. That was pretty. Dope. Yeah, I think I nudged you, and I was but like, then, "All right." But then here's this is a perfect example of why this movie like failed for me. They go through all of that, get all the way down in there. You know exactly why they're there, mm-hmm. and then there's a giant title card on the screen. Kingdom of the Trench. I'm like, I know where the fuck I am. Yeah, I know. I me too. Me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. that didn't I felt me. the same way. No, I... did it constantly. The movie 
talked down to you or uh. didn't tell you anything at all. Like mm. it was just, it was a mishmash of of technique. It was just, it was, mm, it was every it time. It was uneven for Every sure. time that it gained momentum and your goodwill, it ruined it with some stupid small choice. Yeah. Like the whole opening action sequence of him just being badass in a sub and then you get smoke slow motion him twirling his hair and then a guitar riff in the score i'm like what the hell am i watching now yeah like, yeah and it was a blatant like damn like what's now, going to me, on now, okay all right so noel you like the fast and furious movies and to me someone who does not care a whit about the Did fast you, and furious movies this to me if i were going to describe it i'd go it's the fast and furious of superhero movies now what is it do you think that separates a movie like this from the fast and furious that you do appreciate um, it's the, it's the same, like, itch that was scratched by those five years in your teens that you watch, um, uh, professional wrestling. It's the same itch yeah. that scratched when you, when you find yourself watching a soap opera for a full week and you know the whole plot. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it's, it's this kind of artful trash. Sure. But that you're talking about Fast and Furious. Fast and Furious. So what? This didn't have that for you. This did not have any kind of consistent or, or tone that they committed to. Okay. So like uh, the Fast and Furious stuff, they commit to a tone and then they excel within that tone mm -hmm. and they just nail it. Mm -hmm. Whereas something like this was a mishmash of many different things and they half-assed a lot of them. So all you were left with was spectacle, okay. which is satisfying, but it's an empty calorie. It just doesn't it's really. Just, it doesn't. So do Len, yeah, because there's, there's a pieces of there's. Indiana Jones there, there's the King Arthur story, there is, like you said, Ant-Man and a Wasp, somebody even referenced on another review I was talking about that there's um, that same story that we're saying from Ant-Man and a Wasp was actually also from How to Train Your Dragon 2. Yep. Um, there is, there's, I, I guess, there's... There's just so there's a little piece of like there's some of uh, what's the name of that stupid movie Avatar in here. There's like there's a whole bunch of like just a total. It's a couple. There's together. a rom com here in the middle. Uh, there's a big there's a big freaking love scene that takes place in in the middle of Saving Private Ryan for, for all I care because everybody's dying around around this uh, lip but, lock. But like so, what he's talking about yeah, is the case. fact that she's literally saying. People are being murdered all around us. Hold on, let's kiss. And to me, that I was just like, well, that just seems like it fits right in with the DCEU where Man of Steel, um, or was it Batman versus? No, it was Man of Steel, where all these people are trapped under all this rubble. And he's like, <laughs> but but those lips, though, Lois. Give me them lips. <laughs> I like. I I was more offended by the like um, Michael Bay. Transformers Part Two, 360 camera move for like 17 rotations around a person kissing. Oh goddamn! Like it's too, yeah. I was like, dude, slow now, it down. Now, of all of these things, I don't like the two things that really feel egregious to me, and and I don't know why this is. The costuming for the Atlantean uh, people, the 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 armor. Which I've heard the a lot of people like, like, actually like the armor. It looks oh. like it's from a CW show. That's fair. And then that's not even using. That's not even you know considering uh, how useful it is. They've all they're all wearing boots with no fins, but they swim a lot. Uh, I didn't like that. They're too. wearing metal boots. <laughs> so so they, th those those stupid costumes, those like weird transformery like clunky. With the metal boots? Yeah, with the, well, not necessarily the metal, but they, they almost look like plastic boots. Either way, 
the, the heavy ass boots. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't look like they moved incredibly well. Yeah. Regardless, they had story, like they at least gave a story reason for some of the Atlanteans being in that shit and some not. Um, I, oh, because I, some of them were. There's a quick line of like about only, what, some or only the royals are water yeah, the breathers. High, yeah, the the highborn were the ones that are able to breathe water and air. Yeah, no, that's fine. I don't mind that they're wearing suits. Because some of them, I did notice that, some of them can breathe, and then other ones were like, ah, I need to put my head in a toilet. Yeah. I need, let me, Comedy. I need to put my head in a toilet. <sighs> I'm sorry. So, um, but then, okay, that's fine, you have to have a suit. Why the fuck were they CW giant stormtrooper outfits with no fins, and they were just boots? Uh, he got nothing. I mean. He's got nothing. I mean, I'm sure there was a. <laughs> so, so what I'm saying is, uh, the costume designer got really overzealous. I don't, I don't really know. Like they just wanted something cool looking. As soon, but they weren't. They as weren't. soon as they came through, that they blasted. First of all, I want to say there's at least five scenes where there's quiet things happening, and then all of a sudden, surprise, surprise explosion. Yeah. Surprise explosion, yeah. guys. You ready for this surprise explosion? Here comes one. Um, the very first surprise explosion we get, I thought. And the, you know they come through. I go, oh no! There's three. They look like, they look like Metamorphin There's Power Rangers. Three surprise explosions. Mighty Morphin. So with his mama. Uh huh. In the air pocket boat. In Sicily. I, Is there another surprise explosion? I'm sure. How'd you guys feel about the Trident fights? Because I liked those. Oh, you mean the Trident fight, wherein uh, one Trident is stronger than the other Trident because. And the way you win that fight is by smashing the other man's trident? Well, I mean, that's not the way that you win. That's just the way that that one happened. This is the way they all played out. They, we both got tridents. None of the tridents were really any different than the others, except for the colors and maybe the number of spikes. Wasn't, wasn't, isn't the last trident, like, power special? It was powerful because... Because it's got the... Power of the ocean. <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was. It was. It was like. It was literally a video game where you go. You start off in the in the what was it? Breath of the Wild, where you've got a stick and you can only hurt so many whacks before it breaks itself. And then you get the next thing, which is a sword, and it's only got so many whacks before it breaks itself. And then, oh well, this sword is stronger than that sword because that's what we decided. I mean, okay, so I I'm willing to f I'm willing to fly with the fact that. Um, I would also like to say that I'm having a lot of fun right the now. Protected, the protected <laughs> um, by uh, Julie Andrews Kraken. Um, why, do keep, why do you keep saying that? She was voiced by Julie. That was Julie Andrews. Julie Andrews voice. alive? Yes, yes, Julie no, Andrews is was, alive. I thought she was dead. <laughs> Listen, Julie, I'm so glad that you're still with so, us. Posthumously, Julie Andrews <laughs> <laughs> created the voice uh, of this thing. Actually, I really liked that scene, too. Mm. I like where, the Kraken. Where it was talking, but then it was revealed that it was only actually, he was only able to hear it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but you know what somebody else pointed out to me is that the, 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 when he goes there and the Kraken sees Aquaman and starts talking to him, you have to imagine because Aquaman's mother has said, you know, she's going in there a bunch of other times. And you see all these other skeletons there, a bunch of, of people that have tried to get at the Trident before. Yeah. So you have to imagine that the Kraken has been going in there and ha basically having the same monologue, <laughs> basically talking to herself mm -hmm. forever. Yeah. Well, just, just waiting for some... Well, first of all, I, I think that it happens every, what, like, 
100, 150 years. Right. So she says it in her head a lot. And then just like, and then probably after like 150 years, she's like, ooh, opportunity to do the whole monologue. <laughs> so like, I'm sure it's not that big. It's not like every every hour she has to go through the same play, like an animatronic. Okay, uh, all right, ride. I hear you. Yeah. All right, all right. She's not Chuck E. Cheese. But it's it's got like it's got the the trident itself. It has the the power to unite the seven kingdoms. It's it's Why? got just Why? powers. Oh, they didn't say. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's what you're looking for. But it's a fucking MacGuffin. That's just okay. how they are. Like it, it's no, not see, that big a deal. I would I would go with it being a MacGuffin if it wasn't for at the end, Aquaman uses his father, you know, the 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 golden trident mm-hmm. to create this great shield of water so that he can beat Orm. Right, it's the it's the only thing that can do this specific move. Right, yeah. but it's no, that's not that. That's what we're saying. It, it, but that's not the case because he was trained in that w- yeah. move. By w- Willem Dafoe. By Willem Dafoe using a totally different trident. Yeah. So the, tr- and we already know that Aquaman can talk to the animals. Yeah. So, cause he was doing that as a kid. So the trident had, had nothing to do with that. Yeah. So the trident really does nothing in the movie except maybe it is what he uses to zip up his final armor. All right. yeah, that's how he gets the armor, yeah. Because he just shows up with it, right? Yes. He's got to hook the back of the He's got to hook the back. back. It's a back scratcher. Pull the zipper up <laughs> for the back of it. Yeah. Um, so I hear you. I agree with you. <laughs> However, that trident fight was cool. I like I liked the one on the boat at the end. I, I actually really liked the choreography of that scene. So James Wan did this thing where he doesn't he didn't when it came to one on one fights in all the one on one fights, um, the Trident ones and some of like the the melees with the blah. He did long takes and he did establishing shots. So you got to see stuntmen actually be stuntmen. It wasn't like super quick cuts all the time. It, they were right. they were well choreographed action scenes. And yeah, I it wasn't like Christopher I, Nolan. Yeah, I enjoyed them. I had fun with that shit. So like when I I was so up until all the crustaceans fighting, I was just like, this is boring. Oh, the English speaking crabs? Yeah, like this is boring. Just get with it, just get with it. And I forget who said, maybe it was Mara, maybe it was Vako. I don't give a shit. Somebody said to, you know, take Orm. If you can't beat Orm, you know, he was on his playing turf before, put him on your playing turf. I was like, cool, they're going to go to the surface and they're going to have a one-on-one fight and then it's going to be fun. And that's what it was. I was okay with it. And then it was all destroyed um, with, <laughs> with that terrible shot at the very end of him, like, floating Messiah-like out of the water. Yes. It was just all just, just so, like, yes. The, the 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 character arcs that I liked in the movie were uh, his parents, not because the actors had any chemistry. No! But because I really, really liked the idea of for the past 35 years, he's been going out every sunrise. I think that's, that's sweet. That's sweet. Right? And that he, you know, she actually sees him again. They couldn't go to an, they couldn't find an actual dock to film him on. Uh, it was all in I, Australia, man. D- dude. They couldn't f- in Australia. I don't they know couldn't. They couldn't build a freaking dock, a real dock. Probably. I mean, because that looks so I mean, cheesy. There's man. only so much budget. Everybody's hair's <laughs> got to flow in the water. There's CGI hair. Oh right, so, man. So I liked that character arc and or relationship, and I also really, really, really liked how Orm and Arthur ended. 
you know they didn't murder him that well it's, it was a great ending and it could be it could be something better later like they fought he he subdued him and then the mom shows up you're both my children and then Arthur's last line to him is when you're ready we'll, we'll talk. talk I did I, I agree with that I agree with that I agree 100% with that. Uh, I did go, oh, good for you guys. You didn't murder the bad guy. Even Marvel had a problem there for a while where they were just murdering off all their bad guys. So um, I, I did like that. I did like the, as we said, the trench. I liked the Kraken. Julie Andrews Kraken was real cool. Um, Julie Kraken. I, oh, and, and I don't know if you, you didn't. <laughs> Julie Kraken. God damn it. <laughs> That's a winner. Um, Kraken Poppins. Um, <laughs> so... You didn't listen to the last episode that me and uh, Len did, but we, when uh, Black Manta got the bolo around the face and then hit every ugly, uh, every ugly rock on the way down. I think actually, I think Sam was just like dead, 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 dead. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. we kept seeing. Oh shit! First of all, the bolo. Yeah. <laughs> which was like two concrete balls on a yeah. giant thing. Yeah. It broke the middle of the helmet, and I was like, oh, he got lasered in the face, yeah. right? That was yeah. a laser in the face. Yeah. And then it was, kunk, 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 kunk. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, he's Yeah, dead. I remember, I was, the whole time I was like, ooh, ah, oh, oh, shit, shit, oh, God. It was, it was, the, it was the classic um, Simpsons of... That's what I said. Of, <laughs> the gorge, when he, when he goes down the gorge, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, go, 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 go. And just everyone listening? Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Pretty, yeah, that was pretty great. Now, I wish that, that I don't know who that actor was, but I, I mentioned it last time. He just reminded me of the guy who played Spawn. Yaya Abdul-Mateen. He was not great. He wasn't given anything oh, really the, to yeah, do. That's, that's, I thought you were talking about Jaleel. Or, well, um, the actor who plays Black Manta. Spawn. I know, but... Yeah. Keith David? No. No, Michael Jai... Michael Jai White. <laughs> Keith David. He did David voice. Keith? Keith David did the voice of Spawn in the... In the cartoons. In the cartoons. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought he was bad. Can we talk about the music? Awful. It was the worst part of the entire movie. A score can destroy a film, yeah. even if it's great. And it was garbage. There was so many different things happening with that score, and then on top of the score that didn't just had a personal personality disorder, then then the songs that they brought in were just they made me laugh. If I wasn't laughing, I was staring aghastified with my jaw in my lap. They went to Africa punctuated mm. by a pitbull cover mm. of Toto's Africa. Mm. That belongs on the B side of a Weezer album, mm. or yeah. when you're listening to 101 Pop yeah. FM, yeah. easy listening, not in the middle of a DC action film. It was mm. awful. And then I don't even know what the song was because there's a scene where all of a sudden Black Manta is a scientific genius and he's able to take this futuristic Atlantean technology and fashion a helmet that shoots laser blasts out of its eye holes. Uh, and then there's like some sort of weird song happening there. I just, I, I think I just slowly turned Stewie style at Len while we were watching it, going, what the fuck is this? Well, what makes that even worse is because I think it's a love song, and why is Black Manta getting the Tony Stark montage right. in the movie? That, he's a pirate? He's not the hero. No. The villain doesn't get get the, the the montage where we're supposed to feel for him, you know, creating his alter ego. No. 
No. I guess so. Also, when, when speaking of uh, speaking of Black Panther or Black um, Black uh, Black Helmet, what the fuck's his name? Black Manta. Black, I think yeah, Big Helmet. Uh, Black Manta. They're in the very beginning of the movie where Pirate Dad and Pirate Son are hanging out with all their little pirate pals, Here's and all of a sudden they're walking down the the fucking hallway in the submarine. And One he, more wait, thing. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> that knife has a better character arc than the, <laughs> than the actor. He stops mid-pirating, mid and he goes, son, let me, get, let me bestow upon you this murder weapon that's been passed down from murderer to murderer in my family. They called him Manta. God damn it. And okay. as, as if their submarine... That looked like a manta yeah. wasn't a dead giveaway. Right, yeah, yeah. Fight me. Uh, uh, when he did say his name, I am you know, call, call me Black Manta. Is that what he said? I couldn't tell because he had the terrible uh, voice module. <laughs> call me Black Manta. Sam did ask me, what did he say? Yeah. Black Lantern? I was like, nah, uh. that's something else. It's Black uh. Manta. <laughs> I'm really having a good time shitting on this movie. <laughs> I didn't realize how fun it was, the, how bad this movie was. So uh, um, the last, I, I want to ah. talk. I want to talk about the final trailer of the movie, and I want to make a, a tenuous connection to the other DCU movies, DCEU movies. All right, I guess. Um, that final trailer, I really, really enjoyed it. Which one was the final trailer? Um, it's it was the last trailer that they. No, I know what I final means, you son of a last, bitch. The last theater. I mean, it was the last one. You, I hate you. <laughs> The, it was the third theatrical trailer. It was about two and a half minutes long, and it actually told. It was the it was the trailer that did the story. It started with the two of them jumping off a cliff, and then showed the 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 two uh, Mera and Aquaman jumping off a cliff and talking about his training. Go into the water. The that? Like it, it told the story of the movie that you're about to see, okay. and it had a bunch of really really good music stings in it. Oh, really really fun like score that I hadn't heard before. Almost sounded reminiscent of. The Wonder Woman theme, like mm. I was like, oh, this is of a piece. This sounds really cool. I hope they use this in the movie. This might be fun. So I was like, I was really jazzed. Mm. None of that shows up in the movie. Mm. So after I saw the movie, I was bummed about the music altogether. But then I went back, I watched the trailer again, and I was like, when was the last time I felt like this? I'm gonna watch the Man of Steel trailer again. Oh yeah, excellent trailer. So good. Told the whole story. Background, um, it showed flashbacks. The music was stirring and amazing. And you're like, I want to see this movie. Yeah. Like, this looks great. And then I watched the Dawn of Justice final trailer. Mm. Same thing. I was like, this might be really good. They seem like they nailed Batman. Oh, my God. I think the DCU. And then I watched uh, Suicide Squad trailer. I was like, this looks like a ragtag kind of fun movie. Their marketing department's amazing because they can sell... Anything like it, uh, all these trailers are better movies than the actual movies that they represent. Yeah, but unfortunately, they took that you know they felt like you and took the directors of their trailers and actually gave them Suicide, Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. Well, they, yeah, for Suicide Squad, they let them edit it, which was bad. But the, you know the the A's and A's disease of making a good trailer and getting people excited about it. People like me, I'm sorry, you guys weren't excited ever. No, no. I was excited for Man of Steel. I was excited oh, no, I for mean, Batman like for versus. At least. Oh yeah, I was excited for Aquaman. But still, like those those trailers, and and the, the structurally, all those trailers are the same. Um, with they start with like the flashback that like some I, I want somebody to go on YouTube and actually like at least sync up Man of Steel and the Aquaman trailer because they 
are the exact same thing with great stirring music, and you're like, holy shit, this movie might be great, mm. and it's not. Um, yeah, I was about to say, I went in, we don't, we didn't care. I didn't, well, I'm sorry, I don't want to speak for Len. Ooh. I didn't care about Aquaman. None of the trailers did anything for me. Um, I, I enjoyed his appearance in uh, oh, Justice League, um, but. I wasn't angry at it. I wasn't going in looking to hate it. I was going in as as I do with all every single one of these movies as a comic book uh, retailer and a comic book fan. I 100% want all of these movies to be amazing and fun and great, and I want to go in and have a good time so that I can come into my comic shop and be like, "Oh my god, did you see it? Oh my god, wasn't that great? Didn't you have such a good time? Oh, how about this? How about mm-hmm. that?" I never want to shit on things. Well, no, I actually, you are more forgiving of things than most people I know. Like, I you, try to be. You're open to just like, yeah, I get you, but it was yeah. fun like this. Yeah, it was fun yeah. like that. So when so, you blatantly were like, "Ugh, girl," yeah. <laughs> I was, I was really kind of scared. Yeah. I am very forgiving. I do try to, like, yeah. you know, even if there's something in the plot that uh, doesn't make sense, if someone is able to come in and go, oh, no, that makes sense because of this over here, I go, oh, great. <laughs> now I can put that in my headspace and that reconciles whatever problem I have. Yeah. I'm, I can enjoy it even if, more. If there's the type of person that's looking to hate something, you're the type of person that's looking to like it. Forgive so it, yeah. You're looking, even if it's something just doesn't tick right, it's like, if you can explain to me that one piece and make yeah. it make sense, I can enjoy this. Here's the thing. If someone came into me and they went, JD, you didn't like the metal boots that the uh, Atlanteans were wearing? I, I understand why you would say, but I could tell from the CGI that those boots had propellers that helped them swim faster. I, I'm sold. I'm done. I love it. That's great. But they're not able to do that. Yeah. And so when people, I, I imagine people are going to say, well, no, you went in expecting a different movie. You just didn't like it because you didn't get what you wanted. I went in expecting nothing and I was disappointed. <laughs> and, I, and I went in for free. <laughs> and was disappointed. Which makes it way worse. Yeah, yeah. I went in hoping to like it, expecting nothing, didn't pay a cent for it, had my popcorn. I mean, I, I, I mean, I did have that one kernel stuck in my, my gum that really hurt. But like... So there's a metaphor in there. Yeah. <laughs> we, I already used it. So. Um, somebody asked me about it, and I said, oh, you know how when you get some a kernel stuck in your gum and you have to, it takes you hours to get it out, and then you finally get it out, and you're like, oh, yeah. That was me leaving the theater. That's what I posted on Facebook oh, about yeah. this movie. I, uh, we had tickets to IMAX. Uh, and then after I saw your guys' response, I was like, I'm going to save the extra $20 oh. and I'll just, I'll return these and then get just normal tickets because uh-huh. we still needed to see it. Yeah. I still needed to go. Oh, yeah. But I, I'm glad, if I'm glad we didn't me. travel the 20 minutes to KOP, yeah. to King of Prussia, which is the closest IMAX for us. And I yeah. saved my time that. It, it was just, it, there was good stuff in this movie and it, it didn't outweigh the laziness of mm-hmm. it. I would watch a sequel, but can I recommend this wholeheartedly to some people? To others, I wouldn't. So, like, I would recommend this movie to my father, who has a very low threshold, or he has a very low bar for what he's entertained by. Mm-hmm. It's like, he's he's the kind of man that has, like, direct-to-video Nicolas Cage action movies in his Netflix list. You're going to love this. This yeah. is going to be great for you. My mom likes those yeah. Matthew yeah. McConaughey movies. Like, what was it, Sahara? Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna uh, love it. Just yeah. if it was based on any kind of um, Pulp Fiction action or, or, or novel, you're great. You're gonna love yeah. this. It's stupid. Have fun. Yeah. If it's got a, a dude with his shirt off and he's buff, great. She'll love it. Yeah. And for being the superhero movie that is blatantly sold on the the the, the female gaze of it all, mm-hmm. 
uh, I will say that, you know, if you're a woman that has that looking forward to this movie because of Jason Momoa and his abs. You certainly that, get his abs. You get it all that even, in there. Even somewhere. when he's wearing a full suit of armor. He's got abs. He's in got them abs. Yeah. He's got abs. The abs are on. He's abs the man. I think, <laughs> I think he's charming. I think he's fun. I think he's very one note. I don't think he has any type of range in his acting. Maybe it is a byproduct of the script because it is a bad script. It is. So he's not asked to to sh- see now. But, okay. but I I I still I still believe that even if the script is not asking you to do what so much you could still deliver your lines different okay this is where he and i part ways i didn't think that jason momoa was bad in this role i think he was fine in the way that bruce willis is fine in a diehard movie yeah yeah he's just a force of nature or or the plot keeps happening to him and he just keeps pushing forward yeah that's this is this is john mcclane underwater for me it's fine see but there's a difference especially if you go to that first diehard you look at that first diehard yes well, Bruce Willis is all that, and he's he just. Uh, also, I want to make, make it clear: I am in no way uh, comparing Aquaman to the first Die Hard. Well, it sounds like you are. No, it oh, sounds no. like you are. So hang on, Die Hard is a perfect action film. The the pathos that exists in Die Hard, though, is because they weren't looking to sequelize it for fourteen movies. So like that, that's a that's a one arc. That's fine. Okay, all right, then I won't even yeah. I won't even go there. I'll go to I'll go to you can go to Die Hard two. You can go to Die Hard three. I think they become increasing cartoon after that. Oh, yeah. But if you even go to the first three Die Hard movies, right? (laughs) Punched a jet in the face. Yeah, he fought a hairier jet in part four. Yeah. That's a fact. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But if you go go to those first three, you know, yes, is he there to deliver a quip? Is he there to be funny? Is he there basically to antagonize the bad guys? Yes. But he is he also there, especially in part three, is he also there to, you know, understand exactly, you know, why Samuel Jackson is upset with him? Yes. Is he? Does he realize that you know this is not a good look for me to be walking through Harlem with this with this signpost? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and is he still asked to be a little bit of a jerk and a badass? Yes. But there are still levels to it. Yeah. You know what All I mean? Right. Now that's a more intelligently written movie than this film. Than this film, and maybe it, okay. Perfect point. I t- I pointed out to you like after he first gets his. his his first trident destroyed, which is his mother's trident, which he's been holding on to. And in a long shot away, you can see that it kind of shows on his face. Yeah, you you can, yeah I saw it. I saw it. Right, but it's a, it's a far away shot, so you know the director's not trying to bring attention to it. All right, so you can't say that, you know, it, it, it was actually meant for you to see this. So that maybe have been an acting choice on his part. The next scene of that, you see him, he gets into, Mira rescues him, and he jumps into the jumps into the ship and then they're you know like all these bad guys on my six and everything like that but the second he jumps into his ship if there's only just a split second like it's like no earlier talked about you know how just like the little tiny the acting choices. moments yeah, can make a choices. difference if he just makes a little acting choice right then to just show a little bit of remorse when he finally sits down in that chair to realize that he lost his connection to his mother who he doesn't know a lot is alive at that moment that's him doing something that the script's not asking for. That's the actor bringing something to the story. He does not. He and he hasn't done it with anything that he's ever done that I've seen him in. So, so I think he's capable of that. But I also, I don't think he did it in this movie. Um, but he has done it. So, like, I think he did it in Justice League. Um, there's a couple of scenes in Justice League 
where he brings very small little things that don't distract from the scene but are kind of funny, but they also reveal stuff about him. The lasso scene, um, his reaction to Batman the second time actually sees him as Batman. I feel like that's more Jason Momoa coming off as a choice. Okay, but that's Jason Momoa. That's not the well, Aquaman. The act, I know, the actor making okay. a choice for his character. Right. This, the the stuff that you're pointing out, I I feel like that might be a failure of the director keeping it all in track for the actors. So mm. they do all this shit out of they do all of this shit out of out of sequence. Mm-hmm. So right, true. not being reminded or or put back in that in that mindset in the headspace of, of you just lost your a connection to your mother. This is going to be a funny scene, but I need a take like this. I need a take like that. Like that like that choreographer of the character as mm-hmm. well as just mm-hmm. the action was something that this movie didn't have. Also, we don't know what hit the um the floor, the editing room true. editing room floor, you right? True. Yeah. Well, I think I think that's I a think reach. Anything, yeah, yes. you, know, that's, that's, you know that's a I'm reach. I'm just saying. <laughs> Nothing was edited out of this movie. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. It's long, and it doesn't it doesn't like you know, there's, there's movies. How long was Into the Spider Verse? Uh, one forty five, one fifty. It was it was about two hours. Okay. Yeah, this is two and a half. Oh my god. It felt it. It felt it. Yeah. It felt three. I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that far, but it felt it felt long. You did. You, well, you did. I did go that far. Um, do we have anything else? Do we have anything else we want to say about this movie? I, I think we have we have put a fair amount of stink onto this. Yeah, we have. We have. Sidekicks and henchmen out there in the Geek Nation, you're listening to a special edition of Gutter Talk. We are here with uh, the Bat Tribble. Yo, what's up? How y'all doing? And and Stephen Harris. Hey, people. How you doing? And Rob Garrett. Afternoon, everybody. Oh, hey. So <laughs> you guys are here because you're doing a, a Kickstarter, a Change of Perspective special edition uh, about Ajala, a series of adventures, yes? Yes, correct. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Uh, you can't rob because you're the writer. Uh, Jalo Series of Avengers is a two-time Blip Award winning property about a 13-year-old girl in Harlem who finds that her parents are involved with an agency that has been protecting and policing the community since the 1920s in Harlem. And she becomes a junior member in training and finding out what it takes to become a hero and also help her community. So her parents have been involved. This this agency has been protecting Harlem since nineteen since the nineteen twenties, right? Correct. So mm-hmm. is it, it, are they protecting Harlem uh, from something? Is there is there some type of uh, like what is the history of this danger to Harlem? Are they protecting Harlem from themselves? Well, what the uh, the sense of the concept of Harlem is basically. We all know that it was for, you know, enlightening, encouraging, and further advancing us at, at you know, African Americans and our own, you know, lack of, you know, government and social issues that they never really included us upon. So we created this group called the CSC, which is like a franchise of merchants and people that wanted to do the civic duty and help, but help us as a people advance. So they're doing it against, you know, the negativities of society and people who don't want to see 
minorities move up and go in and become, you know, an evolutionary product in society. Okay, I dig, I dig that. I dig that. Where did it, 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 um, was this a joint venture, a joint creation between the two of you, or was this mostly come uh, come full blown from Rob's mind, and then Steve just made it happen on the paper? It was a joint, it was a joint thing. I just did the designs, and Rob did the backstory. We from and from there, we just took it off. And how'd you two even get? get are y'all are y'all lifelong friends, or you're just? just... <laughs> No, we met we met through uh, 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 Gray back in '06, I believe, through, and, and also through the um, the site BlackSuperhero.com. dot com. And um, actually, we were working with somebody to to create this character, and then it didn't work out with him. We were creating them for him, and it didn't work out with him. So we took it ourselves, changed it, little changes, and uh, uh, came came up with the character ourselves. Whoa, 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 whoa! Back up, back up. Mm-hmm. So, so if I'm understanding that what I'm hearing correctly, the mm-hmm. two of you were working with someone who you had met yeah. to create yeah. a character, and for whatever reason, something went left with this person. Uh, we don't yeah. know what. We're not going to speak about that because <laughs> that person is left in the dust. But then y'all just took that character and we were then it for him. Yeah, we were creating it for him. Oh, you created it for him. Ah, yeah, ah. yeah, yeah. All right, making oh, sure. The hold on, hold on. Let me intercede in that. The basis of the character was that Steve approached me about some design work that he was working on with this individual, and they basically had an idea to create a black character, and there really wasn't a basis of the concept or anything such as that. So after Steve and I met with the individual and they showed me the work, but there wasn't anything named, property, or anything like that, they gave me the, the look and I just ran with it and created the whole concept of the CFC, the fact that it was in Harlem and all the other bases in there. So it was like, you know, the uh, evolution of images that they put into the, the concept. That went on when I came into the into the group. So now that's interesting because I know that Steve, you are very, you're very, you're very specific about your artwork and what mm-hmm. you put into your artwork, especially in your designs from all of the characters that you, that you have worked on um, over over your career. So I'm wondering what specifically did were you did you put into this design, the design of the character of Ajala. Did, and did you even, did you already have that name or was that something that Rob brought to the table? Rob brought Ajala to the table. Name Ajala. Okay. Okay. So what did yeah. you, what, so when you were drawing this, you wanted to create this black character. What, yeah. what was in your mind, in your mind that went into that design that you created? Because she has a, she's not, she's not urban at all, uh-huh. there's a specific look that she has. Ah, ah. <laughs> it's just, I mean, I wanted to have a mask um, to protect her identity, and so it, it was is modeled after those, those modeled after those those, those ballroom dances, those mm. ballroom masks, those ballroom masks, like some of which we seen seen and maybe uh, eyes wide shut, I think, and some other and some other stuff. Right, uh, right, right. I've seen online. Also, it it it, it okay. It was kind of uh, influenced by um. Uh, believe it or not, Naruto. 
um, the mass of the uh, of the um, the um, espionage group or the um, I don't know if you were ever watched Naruto. But I actually just had someone come in the other day talking to me about the mask from Naruto. He wants me to see if I can design a T-shirt for him. Uh, yeah, so a, he was he was kind of walking me through all the different cool masks from Naruto. That yeah, there's a before. there's a covert wing of the, of of each of each uh, of each uh, clan, and I've got I've got the name of this covert group because my daughter and I used to watch it binge it on online, and uh, this covert group would have masks on their on their members. And they do it. They would have different different animal masks. So, and uh, I, I I just wanted to use some some kind of cool design on the mask for each member. And each member has a um, a glyph on their mask, and uh, and Adala's glyph is uh, an African a, a Dinka symbol from West Ooh. Africa, and it symbolizes. Uh, it's called Aya, which is also the middle name of my daughter, and it, it means uh, resourcefulness and endurance, and it's a, a symbol of a fern. Each mask has a glyph, so you see uh, the, his, her, her mentor has a, has a glyph on his face, on his mask, too. I can't remember, I don't remember what it is exactly, because I've been drawing his mask a lot. But, and, uh, but I have to go back and see what, uh, what his um, uh, his uh, mask is. All right, all right. And from, from that design, how does that then, Rob, feed your... Uh, the, the, the backstory that you create. Oh, man. And the sense of, when I saw the design and the look of the, the character, it just gave me an idea that as far as mixing of a bunch of uh, motifs, as far as the superhero concepts and the old school serial um, action shows that were on, mm-hmm. and coming up with this whole point, I just figured it would be really cool to create a basis of an organization that went on with it because it gave so much into the interlaying thing as far as the holographic images and the, the different outlays of the clips on each of the characters. So it's like a level and a stage format of each of the group in the organization of ZFC. So dealing with that was a counterbalance of how to create an entire universe where you could take the Ajala individual and she realizes that this isn't just something in a neighborhood watch. This right. is more something on a global effect. And that's one of the biggest things with the CSC now is we can expand it to every state. And if we wanted to, we can make into different concepts and different members. And we can show stuff from this generation on down to the 1920s where we had the Harlem Renaissance and all of the other, you know, great storylines that we could really dive into and develop. So there were so many things that opened my head and mind into concepts and I'm a big into the universal creation. So it isn't just something that, okay, she was running around, she has a costume. There's also the community and the values of, you know, good versus evil that goes on into it. Oh, and it's a correction on my end. <laughs> I switched. The, I switched the mask. Adela has like a, a, a modified uh, <laughs> um, eye of a roof on her eye, on her eye. Okay. And her 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 her, uh, her um, mentor has uh, uh, the uh, eye a dinker symbol on his on his on his mask. Okay, cool. You know, one of the things that I appreciate about Adela, the first the first book, and and like looking through it, is that. While it definitely is steeped 
in, you know, it, it wears its blackness on its sleeve. It's, it's, it's right there up front with you. It doesn't hit you over the head with it. And that's one of the exactly. things that I, that sometimes um, uh, 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 turns me off about some comics. And not just, you know, you know, comics by African-American creators, you know, other comics where either the culture or even the world building, they, they, they want you to dive into it so much that it's just, it's just too jam-packed as opposed to just letting it live there on the page and letting it just envelop over you. And that's one of the things I appreciated from the first book and I can imagine is, is um, going to be even more when we see the, the, the continuing adventures of Ajala. And I got a funny feeling that that's how y'all like to play it out when you do your books. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, without a doubt, that's one of the biggest things as far as the writing and the creating, I always say you can get your message across without beating people over their head with issues. Right. And reading it and embracing it, and you can see that it's centered upon diversity and creativity without having to keep going over and over again, hey, look at us. Right. You know, we're black. And it should be about the storytelling. It yeah. shouldn't be about just over and over and over again, we're making statements. Yeah, and you guys and you guys on a, on a, on your other show, when uh, uh, Michelle Mission mentioned that uh, with um, Devil in the Blue Dress, how it's just evident in the movie and the culture is just evident in the way they move and the way they react to situations. Mhm, mhm. And so that's what we're that's what we're you know just, of course the story is first, and in in the story being first, you see that the culture is very important and just and it just being on the page in, in everyday life of what they are what they are doing and the subtleties that we're trying to convey and how they react to certain situations, be it in current day Harlem in the, in the alternate realm, but so much like our own. Yeah, that, the, story, the story is first, and, and that's what I appreciate about what's going on there, but definitely when you're talking about comics, art is what, you know, let's be honest, a lot of the times that's what gets people to the table. That's what, that's what yeah. gets, the, gets the book to the checkout line, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. Oh, without a doubt. You've got a good one there, and and my man Steve, you know, <laughs> Steve has been working working hard. He's been doing Michael Cray for Wildstorm, and now he's got now uh, he's been doing some work with Watson and Holmes, and now he, he finally returning back to his first love, Ajala. So <laughs> I'm 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 really excited for you, Steve, because every time you know, a couple of times I see Steve on the convention circuit, you know, he's pushing Watson and Holmes, and he's He's pushing Michael Cray, and I'm like, and he got he got a look on his face. He happy, but he ain't really really happy. You know what I mean? That ain't really what he want to be pushing. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know, I know, I know, Steve. I know the real deal, Steve. Like this is this is Steve Jones. I'm like Steve. What you doing? A jala. I'm doing a jala. Let ask me what I'm doing. What you doing, Steve? A jala. <laughs> What you said, Lan? What you said? <laughs> I gotta say, I'm looking at this Kickstarter page, and I'm looking at all the sketches and all the artwork in here, and this looks awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank yeah, you, man. This is really tight work. I really like this. And yeah, we can't we can't leave out our man uh, Walt Besanza Barna. He's a color. He's a, he did some art on that page too. The the one with the uh, a dollar headshot with her mm-hmm. turning her, turn her mask on off. Um, it could be on if you turning it off. 
that's that's a brother out in um, South Africa. He's from Zimbabwe, but he's in South Africa now. And he does he does uh, he did a few he did a few. Uh, well, he colored the book from pages from book two to, to to current, and he did a few pages in book four, about ten pages in book four. He did. Nice, nice. So he's right. a really me, he's a really talented young man doing his thing out. out let there. me ask this question, yeah. Mr. Sulu, PSC, Mr. Sulu. I'm looking at. Is that based on uh, Ron Jones from Luke Cage? Ah, Ron. Well, he's, he's the guy with the fedora. You know, he hangs out at Pop. Yeah, yeah. I um, yes, he is. Yeah, it looks like him. Because when, when I first saw him, I saw him on uh, the blacklist. Mm-hmm. And he was that doctor that was um, killing bad people. And uh, I always thought he had an interesting face. Yeah, he does. Uh, anyway, I just, um, as soon as yeah. I saw that, I was like, that looks like that guy who plays the <laughs> <laughs> Now, I'm not sure. Actually, I'm, I mean, I had that thought, but I'm not sure if it's uh, Rob, did, did what? Did Walter Hunt first? He based he, he do it based off my sketch. Based off your sketch. Okay, I was okay. Cause I knew we had that in mind to draw him. Cause we kept because right. when we when that when that episode aired about a couple days after the episode aired, we Rob and I were talking about that guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, see, there's an international thing that's going down with Ajala, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Y'all know, y'all know about, y'all know about this. So, so you've got this Kickstarter, you got the Kickstarter going, and um, it, it it just started, and it's it's it's, it's chugging along pretty well. So I'm very happy, I'm very happy to see that. But but what is the mission of this? What is this Kickstarter? So so the book that's going to come out of this, out out of the Kickstarter, where's this in the Ajala realm, and and what's this book going to look like? It's basically the, the next step into the series, the continuation of the property, issues uh, five and six of Ajala. And what we wanted to do, because, you know, we've been away for a minute, and getting back onto it, we wanted to dive right into the continuation of the story, and that's also the evolution of how she becomes this hero and the expectations of what it takes to become a hero. And... From that point on, we're doing this as that Kickstarter to get these two issues out. And one, the embrace, you know, all the readers that have been asking about the next issues and also introduce all the new fans, hopefully, onto this whole world of the CSC. Cool, cool, cool. I know J.D. was um, looking at it because J.D.'s an artist first. I mean, he, I mean, he has a comic book store, but that's really just to support his habit of being an artist. So he and he was looking at the art and he had a question and, and I know this is the question that probably some people new to Ajala are going to, going to ask. You've got this, you know, this this great character, this great black character who wears this mask, but then what you realize is a mask is a full face mask that has a, um, a, a white bottom, a white face on it. You know, mm-hmm. and people are going to wonder, like, what is this? Why does she have by a white, white face? By white, he means Caucasian. I try to color it, like, you know, uh, the, 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 the facial part, like a dark yellow like or, or a deeper yellow, and that one a, a more lighter yellow. Right. But I, it's, it's like that because it's a mask is made of light. It's a, it's a, it's a holographic oh. illusion. And so you see that in the image that Walt did, and he captured it perfectly. And how it pixelates when he, when he, you know, turns it on and turns it off. No, I thought it was literally a Caucasian chin because it kind of. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So you see, so you see the image. You, you scroll down and you see the image that he drew. Do I have, we have him here on the page? Uh, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, and the bottom for the um, for the uh, bookmark at the bottom of the, at the near the bottom of the page for okay. the Kickstarter. Okay. You see where she's pushing the button and how the ma- the mask is pixelating. Mm-hmm. It's, gotcha. a, it's, a, it's a digital image or a digital hologram to cover a face, and that's what all the members have. That's what that band is for. The band is the band is for two th- well at least two things. We, we, we're gonna probably have to do more, but the two things that we revealed we, we revealed in the mask. About, about the headband and the mask were issue three, where the mask is a, is, a, is a holographic image, and also when she pushes the uh, pushes the buttons, it does and undoes her hair. Ooh, ooh, ooh! You should, you should try to try to market that. I know tons of women would like something that push the buttons. We had to do with. I mean, as as intricate and as cool as her hair design is, it's not feasible for her to go, her, her to spend like an hour doing her hair before she goes into combat. Right. So. We have it, so it's just this. It's, this, this book is also science, has element of science in it, and science fiction with the, you know, with the CFC because they're out there, a very high tech organization as well. Uh, and she has pushed the buttons, and there's like nanos, nanos in her in her in her lock that does her hair, undoes her hair for her. Okay, so my question is, mm-hmm. once we get this Kickstarter funded, because it's going to happen. That, we, we know that's going to happen. All right. So once the Kickstarter is funded and we get the, we get the next issues of Ajala out there, we get the, the get the next adventures, and she gets out there even further, and people start checking her out, and they're like, "Oh, I want to get on the Ajala tra- train." Mm-hmm. When is she gonna cross over with Luke Cage? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, fingers crossed. <laughs> that would be something, but Luke Cage, huh? I don't think you gotta talk to Disney on that one. <laughs> so, so I guess I guess uh, Mr. Sulu's uh, alter reality version of uh, <laughs> the Luke Cage character, his they, his, uh, his 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 friend in the barbershop. Exactly. I mean, look, <laughs> it writes itself. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't I don't see what the problem is. Like 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 it's been a while. Disney, you know, they need help. You know, Marvel, uh-huh. they doing all right. They ain't doing nothing with Luke Cage right now. You know what I mean? Not at so, all. Not you know, all. so make a Jala happen. Or, or or Netflix should just pick up a Jala. Why don't Netflix just pick up a Jala and say, and turn Luke Cage season three into a Jala season one? Boom. There you go. <laughs> they, uh-huh. they already Man. went out half a Harlem already. Look, we need to make this happen. Why? <laughs> Why are we not making this happen? Rob, Rob, what you doing? You want to be my agent? You want to be my agent. <laughs> and we can talk percentages. We can make things happen. You know what I mean? <laughs> we would love to. We think it's like a project that could definitely be, you know, put onto as animation or, or a show because of all the layers of the, you know, concept. But it's just the point to get that audience, to get people to react to the property. That's really the biggest problem. We see it going on, and I think the marketplace is so ready yeah. for some new original creativity, but the mm-hmm. executives are the ones that are making the deal. Most of the time, either they're artists themselves or they're just working in their little networks of people. Right. They're looking for what's already hot and what's already established. All right, well we got we we gotta make this happen. You know, we gotta make this happen. Yeah. 
I'm sure, I'm sure TV, TV One got some money stored up around there. You know, I well, mean, I they can't by your enthusiasm for this book because I know how your taste are, Lenny. You're very, you're very particular about your, what you like. That's right. So That's I, right. <laughs> we, so I, am, I am tickled. I am honored that you like his book. We don't feature just any old Kickstarter on Gutter Talk, brother. <laughs> Otherwise, there'll be some real Gutter Talk going on. So. <laughs> And my wife was asking about what, what gutter talk, what, 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 she, what, what, do you, what do you guys mean by gutter? I said, okay, gutter means that it's between the lines between the panels of a book, not actual gutters. So I'm not, I'm not listening to garbage on the, on the, on the, on the uh, podcast, in the airwaves. <laughs> Shit, I like, turned it off in the car. Like, <laughs> <laughs> my baby is about comics. You back listening to that gutter stuff? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're breaking up marriages. That's not good. Anyway. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, I, 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 I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I want you to support this Kickstarter. It's a great Kickstarter. Ajala, the series of adventures of Ajala. It's, uh, it's go to, and where can they find you on Kickstarter? Uh, just, you know, Kickstarter, search for Ajala. Um, and look for the change of perspective. Yeah. There you go. That's the name of the Kickstarter. And Ajala is spelled A J A L A. There you go. Yes, it is. There you go. And Stephen Harris, Rob Garrett, Ajala, Kickstarter, make it happen so that we can get them on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> You'll you get your percentage cut. Don't worry about it. Oh, oh, trust me. I know where Steve lives. I'm going to get my percentage. <laughs> I still got I still got video of the man dancing that I ain't released yet. I got, I'm gonna I'm get, get our percentage. Trust, trust. <laughs> Is there no again in there? I thought there was. Gutter Talk is here. Um, all right. So just real quick, because I I don't have a Christmas tree. I didn't get time to go out to buy a Christmas tree. I didn't put what? up any Christmas lights. I didn't you got a Christmas tree at the store. Well, yeah, in the store. There you That's go. I don't, I, I, you know yours? what I like? My favorite thing uh, towards the... Shut up. My fa- <laughs> Shut up. Oh, my the, favorite the Christmas spirit is here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> my favorite thing, one of my favorite things to do is at nighttime when we had uh, the Christmas tree up and we put the lights on and we put on some soft music and we sit on the couch and we turn out all the lights except for the Christmas tree. It's nice. So I don't really get to experience that this year because I've just been too busy to like decorate or do any of that happy horse shit so um I, I thought we could just talk real real briefly about some of our maybe our favorite christmas movie and our maybe our favorite christmas song if we have any i know someone came into my shop today and uh, they said they wanted to punch something in the face because they hate christmas music so much and i happen to be playing some on my on my uh my spotify there's a punk christmas playlist that i like oh really yeah are there a lot of punk christmas songs there's enough that you can make a whole playlist yeah the my favorite since since you brought it up len Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite punk Christmas album is the Vandals' "Oi to the World," which oh. is—it's not a bunch of Christmas covers, punk covers of Christmas songs, which is the usual go-to. These are brand new Christmas songs um, by the Vandals. Uh, it's great. It's great. 
Yeah, do you have a favorite of one of them? I'll get a gun for Christmas to protect my other gifts. If bad guys touch my property, they won't leave here without a limp. Uh, yes, yeah, fun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's problematic. Is There's that another a- one for, uh, they're all problematic. Uh, it's punk rock. They're all problematic. There's one, My First Christmas as a Woman. Uh, something, something. Well, that's something for everyone. What was it? Something, something. I, oh, I won't have to tuck it behind me ever since I got my brand new vagina. Um, they're all problematic, Noel. Uh, there's another one, Grandpa's Last Christmas. Uh, it's Grandpa's Last Christmas. That's what Mother says. It's Grandpa's Last Christmas. And soon he might be dead, so be nice. Um, so That's practical. That's yeah. very practical. I like it. There's uh, Christmas time for my penis. Uh, yeah, they're all... They're all problematic, Noel. So uh, that, I don't think that's anything problematic about Christmas time for my penis. <laughs> so anyway, uh, what what do you, do you, Len? We started off before we even did the show. You have a favorite Christmas song? Well, my favorite Christmas song historically has been Donny Hathaway's "This Christmas." Mm-hmm. Um, it is a very soulful song, and it's probably if you like R and B, it's probably like up there in the. And even without R&B, it's up there in, the, in like the pantheon of Christmas songs. But recently, I was reintroduced to Merry Christmas, Darling uh, by the Carpenters. I was reintroduced to it by my friend Ricky Paul. What's up, DJ Tell? And uh, he sang it on our show. We uh, did a Christmas Tribble Palooza on Black Tribbles where everybody just came in. We just sang Christmas carols. And he sang that song in memory of his mother who passed this this year, and my mother had passed this year, and he knew that and was dedicating it. We were kind of dedicating it to our mothers, and I just found that to be... Touching, moving, lovely, beautiful. Yes. all that and then some. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if it's ever going to truly take this Christmas place, but... It's, uh, I've played it every day since last Thursday. It was the right song for the right moment. It, yeah, it really was. It really was. It's interesting how a certain bit of, and it is pop culture, a certain bit of pop culture, if it hits you at just the right time during a specific time in your life, that it really does become, I don't know, an anthem or a touchstone yeah. that every time you hear it from there moving forward, it, it has a special place in your heart. And it's, that's one of my favorite things, you know, Sometimes I question the amount of time and effort I put into talking about selling, promoting pop culture comic books and movies and, and all this other stuff that we do. But really, it, at, its, at, at, at its best, pop culture is a way to, um, I think, connect with other people. Mm-hmm. And uh, connect with yourself uh, if it's done correctly. Right. Um, and so that feels like a lot like that. Oh, hi, Noel. Agreed. Oh, okay. I, I, like, <laughs> like, there was no segue there. I actually just, that was a perfect sentiment for all pop culture and art. Just, it's it's supposed to elicit the right feeling or, or the intended feeling at that moment. If it successfully does that, then it doesn't matter when you discover it. It's just, it's right. Well, you know, even a little bit earlier, I, I mentioned it twice in the show alone, where we were talking about Aquaman passionately. What's that? And uh, I was having such a good time with two of my best friends talking and kind of shitting on this movie that none of us really enjoyed but I'm still in denial. I but I'm glad that we all watched it so that we could in, we could have this moment together today. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the the trials and tribulations that we collectively shared 
created fun. <laughs> in Aquaman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> created an enjoyable experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, do you have a favorite Christmas song? Uh, well, because my my namesake has a Christmas song, mm. but it's not my favorite Christmas song. So I was named after. I, I was named Noel because my birthday is during the holiday, so the first Noel, which everyone just wants to sing or play or be like, is that your favorite Christmas song? Do you hate it? I'm not a fan of it. I think it's fine. Like, I feel like I have to like it, just like how you have to like something you're born into, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, but my favorite Christmas song is Last Christmas. The Last Christmas, yeah. Yeah, I gave you my heart. Yeah, but it's the it's the Jimmy World cover of it. Yeah, it's I don't know why. Like I get listen to it all the time. Mm-hmm. It's just it. I I really dig the guitar riff in it. That's it. I, I also, and I and I feel like I don't have my thumb on the pulse of anything ever. So uh, I feel like that song is. Uh, the opposite of beloved, be hated. Oh yeah, uh, no, it's people first, hate that Christmas song. First of all, I'm gonna be, oh. I, I'm, I'm probably gonna be derided as, as a, uh, I don't know, just milk toast for that song. Yeah, yeah. But then doubly so for still listening to Jimmy Eat World. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I, I, I just, get it. I doubled down on the white, the <laughs> white guitar rock. Just well, at least it wasn't like Weezer. I like Weezer a lot. Ride or die. <laughs> Are you ride or die for I'm Ride or Die Weezer. Look, this is a whole other podcast. I am Ride or Die Weezer. I do think that they had excellent contributions to rock and roll past Pinkerton. Oh, you dumb. Oh, fuck you. That was a really good... Uh, For all due respect, go to hell. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No offense, drink my blood. Um, I don't know what it is about that uh, SNL skit that came out last week, but it's my favorite in a long time. I keep quoting it. So I already pre-ordered the Black Album, the new one coming out. Mm -hmm. I did a month ago. It was like first in line. I mean, pre-ordered it. Hold to on. be fair, that's not. I mean, that's kind of your thing. You yeah. pre-order a lot of shit. I know, but still, like, I am a I am a big fan of Weezer. We just yeah. saw them live, I, and it was a great experience. But after that skit, they had a new pre-order bundle yeah, available, yeah. a ride, ride or die, die T-shirt. Yeah, it's pretty. I considered getting it again. That's marketing, man. They Ugh, hopped right there. It was it, so was, good. it was literally the next day. Yeah. It was, I think it's Saturday was the Saturday Night Live, and then Sunday, I believe there was the shirt. And I went, good for them. Yeah. Hop on that. I do pre-order too much. Yeah. I feel no, like no, it's, it's good. More... It's fine. Well, I just... as, as, a, as a retailer, we love pre-order, son. <laughs> so um, I also love Last Christmas, I Gave You My Heart, and the very next day you gave it away. This um, year. This, this year, at the Save Me From Tears. So I'll... Give it to someone special. Yeah. Not you. Um, I do love that one. Oh, I also really like um, another problematic Christmas song, Santa Baby by Madonna. Now, I realize it's not by Madonna, but it's the Madonna cover of Santa Baby. And she does the real cutesy, like almost Betty Boopy, Santa Baby. You know, she puts on a little accent and everything. And there's something about that that I just love. Uh, and it may have because it hit me at a certain time in my life. What in the lyrics are problematic about that song? I don't It's even all about a woman. Well who's uh, being coy and flirting with Santa because she wants checks and a yacht, and she wants all of these things to be given to her by a man. So it's not really a strong feminist anthem, let's say. <laughs> yeah, but it, but she's just being upfront about what she wants. Yeah. He has the choice of whether or not he gives it to her or not. A more problematic song, According, oh, well, according to people, we already I don't consider it so. But according to people, a more problematic song is Baby It's Cold well, Outside. Well, that's where I was headed. Yeah. Because I also love Baby It's Cold Outside. Just like, just the song itself. Not so much the lyrics mm-hmm. or its intent. Uh, but there is something about the rhythm of the song that I enjoy. Oh, yeah. Now, where I was headed with this, though, was 
they, I think they did this last year, so I'm late to the game. But uh, there is a updated version of that song that is basically about you know consent. And so it's like, you know, it's cold outside and, and uh, the guy's like, all right, well, get your coat. And she's like, you know, it's, it's basically this whole thing of like, he's like, he's, he keeps saying, he keeps saying, you reserve the right to say no. Uh, thanks for hanging out. And he, she goes, oh, and what is this drink? And he's like, pomegranate LaCroix. So it's, it's kind of a fun, clever turn on its ear version of baby, it's cold outside. Um, and at the end, they're just like, all right, see ya. Thanks for hanging out. Yeah. Is it, I, I struggle with that song, so I, I I feel like there's. Is it about consent? No, I think I think what the it's, intention of the song was. It's is about that public. It's it's about um, how things will look, look because yeah, she's a young woman. It's about public perception, yes. not about like I'm gonna trick you into sleeping with me. Exactly that, and yeah, they're both being coy with one another. But yeah, they both, but but they both want to be with each other. Exactly, but it's, they're just worried about how it would look if she spends the night. Right. Yeah, yeah I, I, I feel like it's a react, it's an overreaction. Oh. That song being about him, I agree. Creeper. Well, all of this is overreaction. All, all of these types, of, all of this type of stuff is overreaction because it's taking things that were created in one space, in one space, and, and more importantly, at one time, and then trying to put on, you know. Modern sensibilities. Modern. It, it, yeah, modern lens. Yeah, modern, modern lens to them. Now, with some things. You know, you know, racism is racism. So when yeah. you're talking about racist, you know, imagery or, or language, yeah, it, it doesn't matter what year. You know what I mean? But if you're talking about people being very coy or to some degree in, in other things, when you're talking about comedy, and to that I talk about, you know, people who have a problem with the, um, the old 50s TV show, The Honeymooners. Um, it, it's like, yo, you got some things, it's totally different you gotta you gotta look at it through the lens in which the thing was created baby is cold outside it's all about these two people being very coy with one another are there some lyrics that if you like took took them out of the song and then just read the lyrics you might be like you know hey what is in this drink okay yes yeah. reading that it feels it weird sounds like she's being roofied right but if 100%, you 100 listen to the yeah. coyness of the song that they're having with one another you understand exactly what she's yeah what she's they're talking both about. flirting yeah. yeah it's all flirting no, so not to, not to fully derail this conversation too much but, but i'm gonna do it in aquaman <laughs> in scene three uh 14 minutes in no um uh, this does this. This slightly reminds me. I went to a theme party not too long ago, uh, an '80s theme party, and they were playing "Dirty Dancing" on the TV. Mm. Oh no! We've all heard, we've all seen we've all seen it. Very familiar with it, but it wasn't until that moment that I realized it's essentially an older man um, grooming a 16-year-old girl for the he, whole film. Noel came in the other day and he laid it down for me. It's oh my god! It never occurred to me any of this stuff because right? I didn't realize. I guess for some reason, and I guess it's not even a modern lens. Like it literally is an older man grooming a sixteen-year-old woman. Yeah, girl, girl, and yeah. and 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 then sleeping with her by the end of the summer, right? Yeah. Yes. And I mean, and he, he seems to have made his way through. Oh, because he, he's them. replacing, he's replacing some other girl. Yeah. With this new girl. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I haven't seen it in years. But uh, yeah, when you laid it down for me, I went, oh, oh, yeah, oh, jeez. And, and I don't even know if they're explicit about how old Johnny is or isn't, but he's not 16. Yeah. He's 35 years old. He's a grown Patrick ass man. He's, he's a grown <laughs> ass Patrick Swayze, is what he is. Oh, dude, like, like, I just finished watching 
on Hulu revisiting, you know, the greatest cop show of all time, Hill Street Blues. Cop Rock. Not Cop Rock. There's only three episodes of that piece of crap. But anyway, um, I just revisiting Hill Street Blues from the eight from the eighties. It was specifically started in 1982. Mm-hmm. One of the lead characters on that in that show. As a matter of fact, he, he he's the second like second second build. He is probably easily in his fifties, and while she is seen mostly off screen throughout the entire run of the series, he is dating a girl who is still in high school. Wait, what? That's the main plot of the show. He openly jokes about, like, yeah, you know, I'm dealing with, you know, I'll just say her name is Becky. I can't remember what her name is. You know, like, yeah, you know, she's, you know, she's dealing with this homework and, uh, you know, what am I going to do? Uh, it wasn't like college? No. High school. High school. As a matter of fact, one of the plot lines in one of the later seasons is that now that she's graduated, we can get married. What? Yes. <laughs> yeah, but... It's told very matter-of-factly. It's not told as like you know, like oh my god, this lecherous old man. Oh, 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 oh um, the um, when I was talking to JD about this earlier this week, we mentioned uh, that um, that movie Great Balls of Fire with Dennis Quaid about Jerry. Oh, Lee Jerry Lee Lewis. That's his whole thing. Thirteen-year-old second cousin. That's his whole thing. Oh my god. That's that was his whole shtick. That was his whole shtick. It's a matter. It's a matter of fact. I just watched a movie called Cadillac Records, which is about like you know like uh, the black records back in back in that day. I and, that. and they sh- and they show them arresting Chuck Berry, and they're arresting Chuck Berry because of he violated the Man Act of escorting a girl who was underage that he didn't know was underage mm-hmm. across state lines. And as they're arresting him, Chuck Berry is like, "Well, I hope that I hope that we are." Stopping off at my good friend Jerry Lee Lewis' house on the way to the jail. All right, so that's the that's the that's the music. What's the movie, Len? Christmas movie. My Christmas movie. Um, I know it plays every year, but. I'm still a sap for it. I really do like A Christmas Story. Oh my God, I watch that almost every year. The Bumbuses! (laughs) Bumbuses! I I just, it really is, I'm a sucker for like a period piece, you know, and it harkens back to, I love, so charming. I love seeing Darren McGavin, Uh, he's one of my favorite actors growing up. Um, Night Stalker. Yes. The dad? Yeah. Oh, he's great. And it's just, and it is just a really cute, sweet, Movie. I liked I, it when it first came out. I love it. I 100% agree. I, I agree. No. Um, Scrooged. I absolutely adore Scrooged. Every single piece of it. I saw it in the theater when it first came out. Ditto. I still love it to this day. Ditto. Uh, the soundtrack is brilliant. The uh, uh, way too often, especially nowadays with everything with remixes and reboots and and modern retellings of blah blah blah. Scrooged is perfect Christmas yeah. Carol retelling it. It's just it's fantastic. Yeah. And Bill Murray is great. It's charming. Uh, it's funny. Nice shiny duster. Uh, Carol Kane again. I think we just talked about her a little yes, bit ago. Yep. Um, she's my favorite part of that whole movie. And as someone who grew up loving special effects in horror movies, I gotta say that the 
the ghosts uh, who show up to haunt him, um, the, the like there's the death character who shows up. There's uh, the guy in the beginning. The Marley. The Marley. Jacob Marley. The, the Jacob Marley, Marley character when he's he drinks the the and it just comes out of him. Mm. It's so great. And he's he's dusty and there's like some there's a weird texture to him. The special effects on that show yeah, are no, really it, great. It's an incredibly dark movie, but it's yeah. not devoid of hope, which yeah. makes it like the perfect tone for my sensibilities. Yeah. And I don't remember the, the name of the guy, but the actor who plays the uh, the cab driver, so the Ghost of Christmas Past. Buster Point Dexter. He's so good. I, I only know him from Scrooged. <laughs> but every time I see him, I'm like, oh, it's that guy from Scrooged. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's so perfect in that role. I love him. I gotta uh, watch didn't even mention the best part of the movie, Bill Murray. Bill Murray yeah. is so yeah, yeah. funny. He's perfect. It's so funny. And his, his transformation, his character arc, I believe it. Yeah. It works when he's mm -hmm. he's so enthusiastic and he's so earnest at the end there while when they're broadcasting live and he just goes around and does the whole there's, thing. There's a it's it that is um like closely tied to uh, Muppet Christmas Carol is my favorite Scrooge stories. Muppet Christmas Carol is just sugar saccharine perfect. Even mm -hmm. the songs are great. But Scrooge number one with a bullet, my favorite holiday movie. Man, now I'm, I'm I don't remember what mine was because I love Scrooge so much. Um oh I remember what yours was. You don't remember? Was it Krampus? It was Gremlins. It was Gremlins. I love Gremlins. So I don't know if everyone agrees with me. This is going to be one of those dumbass things that everyone debates for fucking three years. I'm so tired of this diehard debate. I don't care if it's a Christmas movie. I don't care what. It's I, good and when, it's in Christmas. Shut up. When we were in pause, we actually figured it all out. Like oh. it's there's there are Christmas movies that is the plot is contingent on the holiday, mm -hmm. and there are movies that happen during Christmas. That's it. All right, now let me ask you this. This is Gremlins, right? Because uh, my brother-in-law, Rick, he decided that I was full of shit and that Gremlins is not a Christmas movie. How howsomever? So the plot is contingent on Christmas because so it's he, a is given, present. he is given it as a present. The dad gives the kid yeah. a present for Christmas. It's a mogwai. The Gremlin literally jumps out of a Christmas tree to attack somebody. There's a, Chris, there's a, a Gremlin wrapped in Christmas lights. It's a Christmas movie because the plot itself is contingent on him receiving the gift. Now, you could change, you could rewrite the movie. It a birthday. You could rewrite write the movie for it to be a birthday yeah. and then it's no longer a Christmas movie even if his birthday is during the holiday like it is a Christmas movie because mm. the plot's contingent on it yeah. also the town being empty uh, it's a wonderful life being like a them yeah. like thematically yeah. about the, it's it's a Christmas movie okay good something like uh, we were looking at the list and like kiss kiss bang bang die oh, hard oh that's a good one it only happens it's, during the holidays. Yeah, it's true. So like these things that just happen during the holidays, but because by that then Iron Man three is a Christmas movie and it's yeah. not. Yeah, every Shane during the holidays. Black movie is a Christmas, it's a Christmas movie. movie. Yeah. Um, now, real real quick though, uh, the one thing I was uh, there's a couple things that bother me about this movie, just despite my love for it. Uh, one, you can't feed a gremlin after midnight, and even as a child I went, well, but midnight is is different everywhere. How does the gremlin know what time zone it's in? Well, also when does when does the clock get reset? So after midnight, but only until 6 a.m.? Right. Like, like we're what always time? We're always after we're midnight. We're always after midnight. Or we're right? always before midnight. Yeah. Secondarily, you can't get them wet, right? The entire, the entire film takes place in a town covered in snow, which is wet. And they go running around the town. And they only... They, they go to seek out a pool of water in order to become a, you know... A bunch of gremlins. No, I get you. But it's it's snow. It's wet. If you touch it's, snow, you're wet. But it's, it's water. Only, it's only wet when it melts. As soon as you touch it, you're wet. I mean, if you, at no point do you pick up snow and go, I'm dry. I'm just saying, some things don't make sense. But that's my favorite Christmas movie. I love it. <laughs> but that's not discounting your. I also love your movies too. They're so good. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, we didn't care if you were the scout. Touche, touche. Wasn't really a competition. I think all three of them are great. <laughs> no, I'll go yeah. fuck myself. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm just saying. You're as still much raw from Aquaman. There was, there was a while there where I thought that I was too cool for Christmas music. I hated Christmas music. I was grumpy about Christmas music. And now really? I, I, I kind of like some Christmas music. And I was grumpy about Christmas movies. But now I find myself... You know what? Fuck it. I like Christmas music. So I haven't turned the page on Christmas music. I actually still think most of it's pretty shitty. But I think that's just more about like immersion. Yeah, there's the so much. The fact that it starts, starts the day after Halloween October sometimes. 1st, yeah. Or in November 1st, it yeah. starts. I'm just, I, I can't take two months of full radio stations in every single Muzak yeah. uh, system in every single store you go into playing this shit. I can't mm -hmm. do it. Like, yeah. I need variety in my life. I always grew up thinking that Christmas music was universal, mm -hmm. right? So that, like, my Christmas music As long as was, you celebrate Christmas. Well, okay. But, <laughs> but like, my mu Christmas music was everybody's Christmas music. So, like, I love the Temptations Christmas album. Yeah. I just assumed everybody loved the Christmas, the, the Temptations Christmas album. So, I'm listening one year, and I, I don't know how old I, I was, and I'm watching TV, so they're playing Christmas music, right? And they're playing some, like, Jackson 5 and stuff like that, some stuff they didn't know. And they're playing some Christmas music that I really didn't know, but they were, like, older, Bing Crosby. And I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. And they play Paul McCartney's Simply Having a Wonderful Christmas Time. I love time, that song. Which I... My, I love that song. Having watched it, because it was the video, I was like, oh, my God, I love that video. Oh, it's yeah. so cute. I like that. So the next day... You know, it's it like, hey, call in for all your favorite Christmas songs, right? I'm like, oh, cool. So I'm dialing up, and I'm calling. I've never called into a radio station in my life. I'm calling this radio station. I'm on the phone, literally, I lie to you not, from about 5 o'clock in the afternoon to about 9.30 at night. Just keep <laughs> calling because yeah, yeah. I want to hear redial, redial, th redial. Th yeah. that Paul McCartney song. I finally get through. I'm like, hey, I don't know who sings this song, but it's simply having a wonderful Christmas time. And I start humming it, simply having one. And How old were you? I, I must have been like about maybe... 27, 28. <laughs> about maybe like 10 or 12, right? I love this story. They hang up. They, they like, we don't know. We don't have that song. They hang it up. What? I hear them talking on the radio and they're like, yeah, you know, like, People, if y'all calling for Christmas songs, we want to get all your Christmas songs on there. But we've got to have it. It's got to be Christmas songs that we know. And it was at that moment that I realized, oh, this is a white This Christmas. is a white people Because I was calling to the R&B WDAS. They didn't know what the hell I was oh, talking about. Oh, that's so neat. Paul McCartney, Paul McCartney didn't transcend uh, race? race? Like the Beatles that. didn't transcend race? He didn't cross over into their record collection, because, no. Because my mom had the Temptations Christmas album. See, your mom did. If I went over somebody's house, they very well did. But, oh, but the, the radio, radio station? station? Just, like, yeah. just delineated it. Oh. So funny. I do love that song though. That's it. I was trying to think when we were talking about that war, um, war is over. The, simply having going to Christmas time, more times over. Like, what's that name of that song? I don't know. Go ahead. I was gonna say um, when we were talking earlier about um, last Christmas, I gave you my heart. Mm -hmm. I couldn't remember the other song that everyone unanimously agrees is a terrible Christmas song that I love, 
and, and that's it. And that's it. That's one hundred percent it. Because so that's the one that's an earworm. Because yeah. it, 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 you Simply that and last having a wonderful yeah. Christmas. John Lennon time. and Yoko Ono. War, happy Christmas. War is over. Oh, so this is Christmas. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get the hell out of here. Yeah. Thank you let's so go much celebrate some Christmas. Yeah. Happy Christmas. Um, <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Gutter Talk. Yeah. Gutter Talk. Gutter Talk. That's what I was looking at you for the Gutter Talk. Uh, you can email us at blacktribbles at gmail.com or coldpopgo at gmail.com. This is our last show of the year. So please have a safe and happy holiday. Yeah. And we'll see you in 2019. Toodles. Ah. Da -da -da -da.